Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to the Autocar podcast, My Week in Cars, with Pryor here. Steve Cropley over there. Hello, Steve. Hello, mate. How's it going? Very well, thank you, mate. Um, Steve, we've got a letter from Peter Hughes, uh, who has raised an issue uh, which is in the news a bit at the moment. The RAC is calling on the government to commission an independent study into the issue of headlight glare after new research found 85% of those affected believe, believe the problem is getting worse. So the RAC has surveyed 2,000 drivers and it's found that 89% think at least some headlights on cars on the road today are too bright, uh, of which 3 in 10, higher proportion than ever, think most of them are. 91% of people say they get dazzled when driving, with three-quarters of those saying this happens regularly. It's a problem, isn't it? Oh, it's a problem, yeah, yeah. I, um, especially for the older person. Mm. Although I was, I'm amused by the fact that I've suddenly got much better at night driving because I had a cataract operation a little while ago. And oh, really? restores your eyesight to a, that of a 30-year-old. X-ray vision. <laughs> so, so I was suddenly restored, I'm fine, but but before it wasn't good, mm. and and... There are plenty of people like I was, and sort of on the way to that situation. So I think it's I think it's a really serious problem. Yes. Yeah, I do as well. And it's, I think it's proliferation of LED headlights. Some of these automatic headlights that are not supposed to glare the oncoming driver yeah. can still appear very bright, can't they? Yeah, you don't get the glare in your face, but you're aware in the sort of surrounding area. I I've think. been wondering. I, I, it's a thing I was going to get one of my. Um, sons to help me with just just sort of um, try it on a weekend. Get hold of um, uh, two cars and you know one of the ones with um, with shifting headlights. Oh, that's just, just sort of see what it felt like to be on the other end because I've yeah. got no idea. No, I've been this Ford Ranger Raptor yeah. quite a lot of the minute, and people don't flash to say that they're being left. You you can tell it sort of creates a little gap as you're driving along the auto yeah. headlights for a car coming the other way. But I'm interested to see how bright the rest of it looks, even if I'm not dazzled by the actual... Yeah, I think we should you know, give it a go. We? Yeah, we should do more on this, I think, ourselves a, as well. The, I'll tell you what was interesting. When I was driving around in that Capri, you know, the 1977 or whatever it was, Capri, that mm. I had for a while, even though that had didn't have LED lights, I don't think it even had iodine, quartz iodine lights, but the, yet the headlights were quite good. Yeah. I can't couldn't figure out why. It was one of the ones with... Capris with the square lights. And oh, okay. They were they were old school lights, but somehow they were pretty good. Oh, that's interesting. Very interesting, isn't it? I also wonder whether so many have what they would consider self leveling headlights these days. But that little switch that can, if you if you have a heavily loaded car, that you can drop the headlight angle down a bit, is not so prevalent on cars as it used to be I don't think you know no. it's quite often it's hard to find something like and I like that if I'm if I if I think to myself this 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 car's got pretty bright lights and you could just 
flick a switch knock and down they go, knock them down a bit. I wonder yeah. if that, you know, could. I often wonder if there are people with who've got that kind of setup who just routinely turn them right up, and that's yeah. probably another reason for the dazzle. But yeah. But uh, it, I think it's a problem, and uh, and you know the, the R is it the did you say RAC? It's the RAC, yeah. And fair I think play their to ideas for, are good. For, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and fair play to them for for doing it. One more thing on the headlight front: uh, it's getting harder and harder because cars do not have conventional headlight switches. You know, when somebody stops and waits for you at a junction or a or a roundabout yeah. or a, or a, you know a, a traffic calming measure or whatever and you want to thank them yeah. at night, I quite like to just dip down to the sidelights for a second rather than put it on full beam to, yeah. glare, to you know, which sort of temporarily yeah. blinds them. Yeah. I think it's much more polite to just knock it down to the sidelights to yeah. say thanks very much. That's getting harder to do that. That annoys me. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, sometimes it's a touch switch, isn't it? And, then, and, you, yeah. and you get into trouble because you touch it wrongly. You touch and it, it and you can't do it, or it won't go off at all. There is a, <coughs> was it a delay was, or something? Yeah, a delay, but I was in a BMW the other week and I was waiting at a station at night and I thought, I'll just dip these headlights down to side lights while yeah. I'm parked here. Wouldn't let me do it. Yeah. Oh no, you can't do that. The engine, the uh, you know, the cars, the cars engaged. It's doing its thing. You can't. It's a part of life, isn't it? it it's that like, that just, sort of we know better than you. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just getting so, so sick of it, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, getting so sick of. Be just nice to be feel like you were in control yeah, of everything. Wouldn't I'm it? getting so tired of a machine telling me it knows better than I do. I'm getting <laughs> just. I was driving a Kia EV9 this morning to the office. I don't want to pick on the Kia EV9 in particular because it has to comply with GSR2. EU regulations which are coming in so it automatically decides that it's going to tell me every time a speed limit changes by bing oh, I can see that I've, I've got eyes oh. just and it does it defaults to on on starter oh it drives you mad drives me up the wall mate what's to be done I, well I don't know mate it turns, it's turning me into a raving conspiracy theorist that, <laughs> that actually the EU is some kind of you know, is some kind of malign thing that doesn't want people driving cars, so it's going to make them so infuriating that yeah. you're just going to go, I'll okay, take the bus. I'll walk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, you and I are going to talk our respective columns over the next half hour or thereabouts. Yep. Yours starts. Well, Steve, I mean, we bang on about how much we like cheap cars. Yep. And then a Bentley arrives. A Bentley arrives, yeah. That's what I think. There's a there's a bloke that at, at Bentley who um, who is a great car enthusiast who we all know called Wayne Bruce and I think it's his I think it's it amuses him to wait until we've got a real you know breeze up about all these practical and cheap cars <laughs> and he sends us one of his and shows us what a real car's like and this happened to me just a you know a few days ago I was driving around in a Continental GT not just a Continental GT but a beautifully specified very good looking. V8 Continental GT mm -hmm. sounded beautiful, and it, of course it just did everything. It did everything. You 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 suddenly notice that you're not compensating for anything. You're not driving around any potholes. You're not. It just does everything. But the thing that I love is the is the way it, whatever it does, you get the feeling that the, these kind of people who polish cars to the nth degree, polish cars dynamics to the nth mm -hmm. degree, have been there before you. And the thing I like best is two two or three places where I live where there are there are quite a tight bend can be taken quickly, quickish you know, mm. but it's got these ruts on the outside. So normal car into the corner body rolls uses up some of the outside wheel suspension travel, so it's quite poor over the ruts. Mm. Bentley just did it. 
It just did it oh, as really? if it was, and it's to do with their air suspension, I think, and and the extreme adjustability. But the fact of the matter is, if you pay you get a better performance. <laughs> I like the phrase, they've been there before you. Yeah. I like that, that you could, yeah, you drive, a, because so often we drive a car these days and you think, these people have never tested a car in the UK. They've never brought a car to a road like this. Yeah. And the, the, when you do that, we were talking about a couple, weren't we? Surprise. Yeah. 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 And yeah, that we tried a BMW M2 last year, which is a nice car. I like the M2 very much. But it's right-hand drive, and it had these optional seats. Have you tried these optional BMW no. M Sport seats? They've got what I called in copy a carbon fibre penis tray. Oh, you know, dear. you know, racing seats <laughs> sometimes have got this kind of thing between your legs to keep your legs, yeah, your yeah. thighs secure in a crash. Indeed. Well, they've sort of fitted that to a road car because it looks cool. But so it's got this little carbon fibre patch in between the two where you, where your legs normally sit. But if you try and use the clutch in a manual right-hand drive BMW M2, you have to put your your thigh right over the top of it. And it's like nobody from BMW has clearly ever tried a right-hand drive car with a manual gearbox with that seat. Otherwise, they just wouldn't let you spec it as an option. They'd just go, no, this doesn't work. It just made it genuinely uncomfortable. I wonder Ridiculous. if there's been any reaction to that because that that's a that's a major fault, isn't it? Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They yeah. normally they they I think they kind of hate to be caught out that oh, way. I don't think they? so, wouldn't you? But there must be, I don't know. Maybe there's just so many options and so many there is a lot variations of that I mean, in the end we have nothing, no idea. I think nothing ever gets tried. Yeah, you can't try every version of everything. I yeah. suppose, but it but, still seems like a major problem. Yeah, yeah, really. Yes, it just like. I mean, I don't like those seats very much in a road car anyway, but particularly in a manual, in a yeah. right-hand drive, it just doesn't work. But anyway, I, yeah, Bentley wouldn't uh, offer you wouldn't do that, no. carbon fibre in the middle of the seat, I don't think, would they? No. <laughs> I don't that would be a thing. Um, tell me about, though, on the subject of affordable cars, tell me about the Dacia Duster. We have an uh, update. It's, um, I, I apologise for this. I, I just love the car, and, and yeah. it's just been off for the second service in my... Um, in my ownership, which is at 24,000 miles. Cost me 229, 299 quid to they combine the A and B service and everything gets done and so on. I went down there with my laptop, used their Wi-Fi, waited for a couple of hours and and out came the bloke and said, look, you've obviously hit a pothole. There's a, the, your, the tracking of one of your wheels isn't too good and the, and the top mount of the suspension is a bit grumbly. We're not saying it needs to be replaced, but... Mm. Um, some owners would want to replace it, and of course, I, you know, I'm suggestible, so I wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, and while I was cogitating, the the extremely nice bloke called Jack in the in the service department rang up the rang up Renault and said, "Can we can we make a warranty claim on this?" I would have thought that it was a uh, my own fault. I was the bloke that drove down the pothole. Mm. But they're going to repair it under a warranty claim, and this is mm. a this is an economy car. It's not yeah. it's. A, it's a car where you you don't expect kid glove treatment, but I've had some, yeah. and they didn't know you know quotes who I was at all. They, yeah, that's you know, the this, other thing, isn't it? Yeah, there's just uh, yes, it wasn't. I've had a Mister Cropley in. It didn't set off any alarms at Renault HQ. It's just a no. I no, he yeah, just. That's cool. he, I don't think he even named me. He, mm. I think he just said, "Here's a bloke with this problem. What do you think?" And the margins on those cars are really tight, aren't they? On yeah. Yeah. so that's really. I'm impressed by that, mate. They're very yeah. impressive. Oh, oh, it's such a good car, honestly. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to stop now. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, 
Tell me about Mike Hawes from the SMMT, who you spent a bit of time with. The well, there was a, he, Mike Hawes is, the, in effect, the spokesman for the SMMT. Vast organisation, represents, you know, I think hundreds of members, all of whom make cars or sell yeah. cars. Or, it's a society of motor manufacturers and traders, isn't that's it? Them, so it's a yeah. big organisation. It's basically the motor industry yeah. throughout the UK in all its forms. That's it. And they, they've had... They have a an, a year opener, a, you know, which is a nice um, lunch in an, in a in a London restaurant, and he just stood up and did his usual report, and then took our questions, you know. And there are some mm-hmm. high toned people there, you know, Bloomberg, FT, Times, Telegraph, all the all these sort of people who don't they're not a pushover like me, <laughs> and um, and they he just strolled through these questions in a really brilliantly well-informed way and mm. and everybody left in a good humor it was a i mean there was good news going on but it takes a lot i think for a single individual to to represent satisfactorily so many people and i just think he needs a real pat on the back that man mm. he's great yeah agreed how is you i don't know if you're are you writing a story about this maybe you already have and i've missed it but is how is this what is the state of play of things in well, the uk we, industry i think the thing is we we had a there was a bit of an increase in car sales um evs are not have not done particularly well and and the smmt is calling urgently for a for a cut in vat on on private sales of of evs because only 10 percent about 16% of people at the mo- of car sales are EVs at the moment mm-hmm. needs to be 22 in, yeah. in this year because of the government legislation yeah. only about 10% of P- of private buyers buy EVs and that's really not enough and mm. and so to get them up incentive is needed and so he was doing some pretty strident lobbying for this incentive which is another thing he does well mm. and um, uh, they're also saying that Car sales next year will be about the same, a little bit better, but there's quite a lot of variables next year, so okay. it's it's not it's not wonderful, but it's better. What's that coming in at? Is that under two million cars a year sold? I in think the it's one point nine. One point nine. Yeah, yeah. Of which twenty two percent are EV, and because of the incentives on not incentives, the disincentive to have an internally combusted company car. Company cars are EVs because you say pay vastly less benefit in kind tax don't you yeah on, it's, on a, it's, on an it's EV a no-brainer isn't it yeah 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 uh how do you feel about incentivizing private buyers into evs somebody's got to pay for it haven't they that's the th- that's that's the art that's the counter argument somebody goes hang on a minute if well, you're if you're yeah. if these are all people who are buying expensive things and we're giving them a tax break yeah is that fair well mike hawes's argument is that um the government is having a, a a good time at the moment because people pay instead of paying twenty grand for a for a, a family hatchback, they pay thirty grand for a family hatchback. Yeah, the government is getting fifty um, percent more VAT mm-hmm. on that purchase. Why not share it out? And yeah. I think that is a very fair argument. That's a, quite a persuasive argument to make. Isn't well, it, it, it yeah. was made persuasively to me, put it that way. <laughs> uh, before we go to a break, tell me about the Mark Eight Point Five as we know it. Uh, Volkswagen Golf, which will come with no manual transmission, I believe. Yeah, that, I'm just used to Golfs with manual gearboxes, and mm. aren't you? And, 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 oh, yeah. And it just seems a bit of a shock, I suppose, but mm. I can take it on the chin. I mean, I know 
you've only got to drive one of these <clears throat> sort of eight or ten speed autos that you know they're very beautifully uh, set up to know that this transmission can deploy the resources of the engine better than us mm. so if if we are in this era of you know, low co2 and you know fuel saving and all the rest of it then probably makes sense but i still like changing gears and i'm gonna the duster you know to name a name to name a name has got a has a has a really nice manual gearbox yeah as does a car like the Maserati x5 i do wonder mm. what is ahead for a car like that yeah we might touch on that a bit in part two because i want to talk about the toyota gr yaris and its future as well but yeah i guess with mainstream cars the thinking is well it's impossible to drive them on the WLTP fuel consumption cycle well yeah. enough that their CO2 will come in, their emissions and CO2 will come in at the point they need to, I yeah. suppose. And a yeah. modern auto will just do all of that. And I guess if you have a certain amount of electrical assistance, you have to have an auto, don't you? I guess. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah, I think that it gets complicated otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, we'll take a, a very short break and Steve and I will be back with more My Week in Cars in just a moment. What car would you buy if you could buy any car? What car would you buy if you knew you could save thousands? What car would you buy if you could compare the latest offers from approved dealers? What car would you buy if you could do all of this in one place in just a few simple clicks? And where would you go to buy that car? What car? Car buying made easy. Visit whatcar.com to buy your next new car. Hello, welcome back to my week in cars. Um, Lee Ryan has written, Steve, who says, I want to ask why no other brand has designed an SUV with a low dashboard that is uniquely Land Rover slash Range Rover in particular. I've had a couple of uh, late Range Rover sports. And when I was shopping around to replace the last one, says Lee, the latest version was not quite released. And also the cost had uh, gone up a bit much. So I tried every available SUV from some of the rivals, Porsche, BMW, Mercedes, but none combined that luxury feel when you climb aboard with such a commanding view of the road. Oh, interesting. It's interesting, that, isn't it? And I think he's right. Yeah, I think think he's he's right. right. Why do we think that is? I don't know. I, I, I suspect I live in, when I'm in London, I live in a, a place with an underground car park, which is, and you get pretty close to the roof at times. And, and the cars that I get closest to the roof in are Land Rovers. So mm. I'm thinking that it may be that they simply steal a bit more vehicle height in relation to the dashboard to give you that, that view over oh, the roof. Yeah. And the other thing, of course, is that it is a, um, um, it's something that goes back to the Range Rover, doesn't it? When, when the, the you know the the hip your hips were were level with the bottom of the doors, and and there were these beautiful panoramic views view of the bonnet. So yeah, they sort of um, it's a it's a model uh, characteristic. I think. I think so, and I also wonder if other manufacturers, because they are so keen on pitching themselves as dynamic sporty Uh, brands they like a cocooning interior with a high window line you know and a dashboard that wraps around the driver to make you feel like you know you're special and you're actually driving and everything else yeah Yeah. but the problem is you can't see out of the blooming things very well and i do think that's an issue actually i do we tested the when did the first audi q7 come out 
2007, maybe some other. Like I remember being particularly uncomplimentary about the ability to see out of it and park it um, in the in the in the road test. You know, yeah. overhanging car parking spaces like a like a beer gut over a belt. I think <laughs> I but it just it's just harder to see out of. Yeah, hard, it is harder to see out of them. And I think uh, Lee, that is, you know. They, they accept that high window light not too much glass area because that doesn't necessarily look sporting you know they're like a steeply raked windscreen it's better aerodynamically I suppose yeah but, um, yeah I think mate it's just uh, yeah the path they've chosen yeah one of the nice things about a Land Rover yeah yeah we drove a actually as well as this Kia EV9 I was driving a Defender yesterday new Defender yesterday which is a vast car but actually not as hard to place as it could be because because you can see because you can see yeah you can see all the way to the end of the bonnet uh, big mirrors you can see the sides you know big slabby sides and you don't yeah. you know you can put it where you want to put it I haven't driven one of those for a while it, 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 is it a defender mm. is it does it um is it you know we got really excited didn't we when it came out is we it did. still does it still do it for you? Uh, this was not the best specification, I don't think, because it's a plug-in hybrid, which is okay, but it's also a, a long wheelbase one on 22-inch wheels. Which, so it had a... Was this a 130? No, it's a 110. 110. But it's still quite a sophisticated ride, but I think, for me, that car probably works better in a slightly less complicated form. Yeah. I haven't driven a basic one basic as basic as they get yeah for a long time either but yeah the diesels are, are simple aren't they but they mm. look a bit old tech i must say yeah. yeah they do feel a bit that way yeah yeah but still yeah still still pretty impressive and i think if you had the perfect specification then that's still the car of choice and also they'll do stuff that the other cars around it will not do i think that's the other that's the other issue you yeah know, is that if you pitch it against other expensive luxury nice looking SUVs they may well not have terrain response low ratio gears three and a half ton towing limit all of the stuff that the Defender can still do which is important for you know some people Hmm. and you know they sell most of them in countries where their size doesn't matter yeah that's a good point I think yeah should we talk the Toyota GR Yaris for a bit yeah yeah let's go I drove one uh, late last year and it's been facelifted, which Toyota didn't necessarily expect to be doing. So it introduced the GI Yaris, which is a two-door homologation special bodywork um, so that it could get its World Rally Championship car competing. The rules say you have to make 25,000 of them. Toyota wasn't sure it would manage all that because the GI Yaris is pretty special. It's, uh, you know, it's got four-wheel drive powertrain that's complicated special body isn't it special body yeah and so so they thought to themselves well if we're not going to sell 25,035 grand hot hatchbacks why don't we just make this body and then put the standard Yaris 1.5 litre hybrid powertrain with front wheel drive into it and we'll flog a few of those in Japan called the RS maybe that will take us over the line well as it is they needn't have worried because they've sold 32,000 GRs which has allowed them to say, okay, well, we'll facelift it, but also it is going to become part of the range going forward. Uh, as long use. as we can sell it, as long as we're able to sell it, we will keep selling Sounds it. Sounds like another generation, doesn't it? Yeah, I think there will be at least another generation. Wow. And I wonder if 
the next gen because they can't sell this one in the United States. So the Americans get the GR Corolla instead. But I wonder if next gen they will think to themselves, actually, we could do a proper job. Yeah. Sell it all around the world. Make it meet emission, make it meet crash regulations everywhere. Right, but so. The other interesting thing is that they showed a graph. They showed that on average for hot hatchbacks, about ten percent are bought as an additional car to the owner's other cars. Usually hot hatches are somebody's own car, only car. Yeah. They just buy a Ford Fiesta ST, that is their car, that's all they've got. For ninety percent of owners, that's the case. In the Yaris's case, 50% of owners are buying them as an, an additional car to their fleet. Wow. Which is a surprise to Toyota, a surprise to everyone. So my yeah. slight fear is that when this facelifted one comes out, starts they arrive in June, uh, but they'll announce prices in April. My slight fear is that they'll go, you know what? Yeah. We could probably make that 45 it just does look and, like such a bargain price. Well, it? at the moment it is, yeah, because it's so complicated. Mate. It's yeah. so because co- it's got uh, torque sensing front and rear differentials. It's got a really trick triple engine that's turned up to two hundred and well now two hundred and seventy six horsepower. Wow! Um, you know, from one point six. From one point six. Yeah. Wow. So it's and they've done quite a lot to it because our friend Akio Toyoda, the <laughs> uh, who retired as president and ceo to become chairman last year didn't he He sort of stepped back because he said i'm yeah. oh, too much of an enthusiast to keep up with keep up with things yeah anyway so he's done a bit of racing a bit of rallying he's broken things he's melted things he's apparently is very grateful he says look you know this is what we're here for i've I'm, I'm done a 24-hour race um what i found is that the mesh grill at the front is plastic and when i'm following somebody and a bit of uh, a marble comes off or some debris comes off the off of their car the first impact goes straight through the mesh the next one goes straight through the radiator oh, so oh. can you make it metal and they went oh yeah all right wow. and it's just that's it's that sort of development process has been through the that's that's oh, the development really process exciting. it's been through so, so they've cool. not dulled it in any way no not at does all does it look what is it look great it different? should look the same I, it was disguised when i drove it but it should look pretty much the same other than a bigger aperture for cooling at the front well wow. the the bumper is now in three pieces rather than one because when racing or on track days if you damage a corner you'd have to replace the whole bumper which is expensive and takes too long so they've gone well we'll make it out of three bits oh so it's all done for Cheaper the right reasons all done for absolutely the right reasons wow um spring rates have gone up and the front anti-roll bar is stiffer so i think you know that sort of hyper agility the car has on turning yeah it may feel a little bit more stable on the way in but it still feels really agile to me and it's now got an eight-speed auto option oh. which is quicker it's a torque converter not a twin clutch yeah but it's quicker in a straight line quicker around a circuit they say and but more importantly there are some people who just won't buy manual yeah and this gives them the option does it do, do, quick around the circuit when you're using the paddles or just when you stuff it in D? uh it's good when you stuff it in d but i think it's quicker and better in the paddles yeah, yeah. Interesting. the only thing is in the mode i tried it it was shifting up at the red line and at the same time i tended to Pull the lever anyway. So sometimes it was taking oh, good a gear. It would do two gears, and that would. There may be a there may be a mode in which it doesn't change up automatically. But I was, you know, in sounds the ti- like quite in the time fun I had learning how to do it. Oh yeah, massively. And then they had an old one just for a back to back 
test as well. And you go, well, this is still br- the old one's still brilliant. <laughs> so it's just a five star car made. Oh, uh, well better, done, then. I think. Yeah, I'm really pleased. They say they want to. Well, their chief engineer said, "I like, I like smell. We like smells and noise. We want to keep doing that if we can. We want to keep making sports cars for the next hundred years, if wow. we can. But the thing will be whether with tightening emissions regulations, how long they'll be able to sell it in the UK. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, but we'll see. Well, at least they're 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 showing some um, determination, aren't they? Yeah." Yeah. And that, you know, lots aren't, I think you could say. I think that is, yes, I think that is true. The hotter hatchback is a sort of dying breed, isn't it? To yeah, Toyota, impressive bunch, mm. aren't they? Really yeah. are. I don't want Accio to go too far away. No, not do I. No, if he stays around. I mean, the chief engineer said, look, you know, this car would not have happened without him yeah. in the first place at all. You know, it just, nobody would have been brave enough. Yeah. And he's the sort of bloke who will look the other way when... <laughs> the ride and handling team say, yeah, we just spent uh, £600,000 on, I don't know, pencils. You'll go, yeah, yeah, fine, whatever. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> Top bloke. Yeah. Um, can I talk about uh, the acting inspector of uh, Australian Capital Territory Road Policing, Mark Richardson? How did you run into this fella? Oh, I, saw, I bumped into, uh, I, I stumbled across a... Uh, vid- a short video on one of the social channels. Ah, okay. And um, from ABC News in Canberra, Australia's capital territory. And the problem is hooning. The problem is hooning. The street machine summer nats events is in town. Although apparently that isn't the only problem. Says Mark. He says uh, it has come with. I won't do the accent. More on tourism. He says <laughs> the real car enthusiasts are not a problem. But if we set up an IQ station at the state border instead of a vehicle testing station, we'd probably halve our problem. They literally come down here to see how big of a pest I can be this week. They were all over Canberra and were just playing whack-a-mole. So the, prob- the problem is, is that they come and they do burnouts uh, everywhere right, and they yeah. just... Well, hooning is, you know, you know the definition of hooning because yes, yeah. it goes back, you know. Yeah, it goes your, back, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but it, um, yeah, Canberra is rather sort of correct... Um, um, place too i think in my memory and it's a long time ago but but they probably wouldn't like it you know full of sort of rather um uh, important people i suppose oh okay yeah is it a bit like um i don't know uh switzerland strasbourg somewhere or somewhere yeah, yeah, somewhere that like that you know, Brussels and, and, or something, i mean you know. it's um it's, it's a... created to to contain the the um the national government and yeah you know the federal government and and um like misbehaving in Washington DC. Yeah, indeed. And, I mean, there's probably plenty of that. But, <laughs> yeah. but but somehow Canberra, it doesn't seem to be the the kind of tire smoke capital of of Australia. Well, here's the, now here's the other thing: is that I mean, he's he's I like the I like this Australian honesty, mate. I like Australian car max for the way they for the way they write, but also the fact that they're the fact that one of their chief coppers will say. They just haven't evolved very far. They've just plateaued as a subspecies of the human race. <laughs> and I don't know what goes through their minds. And um, Yeah, to go know, on the I record like with that, uh, not yeah, bad, is it? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's much better than <laughs> I was done proceeding in a westerly direction and yeah, when yeah. I did. But yeah, anyway. Do you remember that cover line that was on, on one of them when there, there was a huge um, uh, V8 test, you know, sort of 600 horsepower V8s? Mm. And the big strap line on the top of, on the front of the magazine was "Cop that OPEC." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but the uh, yeah the other thing is right is that you 
I mean, I've been to Australia a couple of times. You don't have to go very far to find places where people are not deer. No. In no. the UK, right, there's a, a 1,124 people per square mile. In an Australia, there's 9.1 I was amazed by that mile. figure. Yeah. I hope I've got it right. I've converted from square kilometres. Well, but I think it's about, it, yeah. it seems about right to me. It's about, yeah, 10 times, no, 100 times less dense than, yeah. than here. Yeah. And most people live around the edge. They do. There's a lot of space. There's a, so why, if you want to hoon, yeah. I, can find, I can find a place near me, mate. And I live in, I don't know what you call the top end of the southeast, south of the Midlands, I suppose. Yeah. If I really wanted to hoon, and I have a Ford Ranger Raptor at home, I, you know, which is able to do that. I could find a place where nobody was looking. Yeah. Why? Why? Why are people not doing? Why, yeah. Why do it in front of? Why do it in front of people who are going to be annoyed? It is. Um. It is a strange tr- trait, isn't it? Mm. I, th- I think. You know, with. Um. I think we can safely say attributable to young men that, that they just want to show off. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but I agree with you that you you know some of the best times you can have are just just doing things on your own. When you wrote that, I was uh, when I read it, I just thought. I wonder, are you a person that would get on with a with an BAC mono? Could you imagine just owning it and driving it for your own pleasure? Uh, I wouldn't have a mono, but I I like the idea of I don't you know single seat cars, single seat cars or motorcycles. Yeah, I'm very very happy to to yeah. do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would. It's not the idea of it. It's just the mono in particular is. Poor, all the money and no, yeah. no luggage space for That's me. It. But yeah. yes, in principle, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. I'm the same. I, I always, you know, motorcycle tours. If you get people, sometimes propose that you, you know, that 15 of you go out, and I oh. always think one, it's gonna, 14 people are gonna come back. Yeah, you know, some idiot's gonna go off the road, or we're yeah. gonna have to take somebody to A and E, mm. and you're, you're far better to, you know have your own accident yeah even on even on jobs that we go on where I, I drove I came to to meet you mate in I think you were on the launch of a Audi A1 maybe or a Mini and you were, you were in Berlin and we drove across in a Citroen DS and the other car on the test maybe it, maybe we drove across in an A1 and a DS and you were doing a Mini I, I forget anyway I came across with a like we know very well called Nick Stafford and who's hello Nick by the way he's terrific and he said well we need to get to so and so he said I hate driving together mate I hate the idea of going in convoy and you're sort of pulling out and lanes and pulling back in at the same time he said why don't we just meet here and then meet there yeah and I'll see you there and we got to those places within two or three minutes of each other yeah and you have a nicer time not worrying about somebody yeah yeah, that's a very sensible attitude yeah it's just better just go I'll see you there at six o'clock Perfect. Yeah, love yeah. it. Um, finally, talk me through. Uh, I like this from your column. It is uh, Williams Formula One team has opened up uh, themselves to some work experience. Yeah, I just noticed in I was reading Autosport to name a rival. Um, yeah. We uh, uh, that they do a job of the week thing, and 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 they talked about work experience for for late you know sort of well advanced school kids hmm. up to grade 20 whatever that means i'm afraid i came up in a different system but anyway not university students but what they're doing is is selecting a tranche of people for about 5 months in a row 
to come and do a week in their place just to see what F1's like from the inside and whether it's the sort of thing they would want to use to steer their career in future. Uh, interesting. And I just thought, what a fantastic thing to do that is because they're not going to benefit from it immediately, if at all. Mm. Um, but it's a very Frank Williams thing to do. I, I, um, I interviewed Frank a few times and met him a few other times and, and he was so much more than a a sort of race-obsessed bloke, which is sometimes how these people are portrayed. I mean, well, I can remember going, he used to study the FT every morning and, and he was, you know, he's well into political discussion and things like that. And I could imagine that that would be something that is, if he didn't dream it up, it, he would be looking down thinking it was a bit of a good thing. Mm. And I, I, I credit, I, I really, a big pat on the back for them. Yeah. You know, if, if I still had kids in the bracket, I'd be trying to smuggle them in there. Yeah. Because it's in a place which is as busy as a top end of motorsport team is yeah. bound to be. I mean, people don't have a lot of, you know, people don't have a lot of time to, no. to spare on that sort of thing. No, so all thousands of people do. work there. They're all flat out. Yeah. They're, they're flat out both creating cars, but also trying to keep up with the tech mm. that everybody else is employing. And, you know, it's a real competitive environment. So to be able to pause long enough to tell a bunch of people, you know, young people who don't know much, mm. bring them up to speed. I think that's a yeah. fantastic thing to do. Yeah, what a cool place. And what a cool place to do your work experience. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I'll be around there myself if I could yeah, qualify. Well, yeah, exactly. 18. I might consider a, uh, yeah, consider a change of, uh, change of, <laughs> change of career myself. Um, Steve, thanks very much. That brings us to the end of My Week in Cars for this week. Uh, you can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. You can find GR Yaris content over at autocar.co.uk and in uh, the magazine and over on the YouTube um, where there is a video review of it. Uh, why is your movements next week, Steve? Are you around and about? Yeah, I think uh, I've got to go to Paris in, oh, yeah. on Monday for... Uh, to to meet up with Mr. Lego, the bloke that that uh, came up with the with the unique hybrid transmission that goes into Renault's, built it at home in Lego, brought it to work, and said we should do this. And they uh, took them ten years, but they did it. Excellent. I look forward to hearing about that next week. Uh, Steve and I will be back this time next week with uh, my week in cars. Uh, cheers, mate. See you soon. Yeah.